Okay. If you're joining us live, we're glad to have you. We've had a season of uh, prayer and discussion here at HBF, uh, which we don't put online. Uh, we're glad that you're joining us. I hope Bobby Blaine, if you're awake, uh, we're glad to have you with us and Leela and all of those that are, are joining us online. Before we jump into the um, study tonight on body life, I want to just take a moment. Uh, one of the other things we need to pray, pray for, if you ever look at our at our prayer list, we have our missionary prayer teams, and then we have another list of supported and approved uh, missionaries, those that were that uh, you know we're supporting here as a church. One of the men that is not on there <clears throat> as a supported missionary, uh, I'm not sure he's on there as an approved missionary actually, but he is approved. If somebody wanted to give toward him, is a is a fellow that you're going to see tonight, <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> for whatever reason. <clears throat> Excuse me. God has been um, <clears throat> our uh, our attention on on uh, Zambia, and so um, we just I wanted to just bring uh, this video to you tonight of uh, a missionary that Randy actually introduced to me, and we had an opportunity to meet with uh, a, few, a couple years back when Randy and I traveled to Zambia. It's been more than a couple of years now, probably three years ago. We had an opportunity to visit with him. Uh, he has been on the field now for nearly 20 years, and he knows, the, I believe it's the Bimba language. Uh, he's planted a couple churches. He's got a Bible institute, and uh, he's, uh, he, him and his wife have really invested quite a bit. Uh, it's never worked out <clears throat> when he's been in, in the States uh, to be able to swing by here. He was just back you know, for a month over the holidays and uh, actually, they were ill for a lot of that, and, and uh, they just went back yesterday to Zambia. But he sent me this video. His name is Mike Dobbins, and he wanted uh, he asked if I would show it. And I said, absolutely, I'll show it. So I want you to just turn your attention to the screen. Spiritual darkness. Imagine your family raised you to fear and respect the spirits of your ancestors. How would you look at life? How would you respond when you heard the gospel? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Imagine being raised in paganism and animism. But then one day, everything changed. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation. We are Mike and Letitia Dobbins, and we've been missionaries in Zambia, Africa since 1998. We briefly worked with other missionaries, and then we moved to the town of Chingola in the year 2000 to start a work for Jesus Christ. The Bible Believers Baptist Church of Chiwampala was organized in the year 2000. Today, Brother Ofi Perry pastors this church. He also preaches on our weekly radio broadcast, teaches in our Bible Institute, and works a full-time job. The Bible Baptist Church of Nchanga North Mine area was started in the year 2006. Pastor Faxon Simukonda has faithfully led this church from the beginning. I met Brother Dobbing in 1999. I got saved in December 1999. We are very much appreciated for what he has done to us. We Zambians totally, we didn't even know how salvation is. We are completely in darkness of salvation. Thank God for that. Our ministry has a threefold purpose edify the saints, evangelize the sinners, but most of all to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 4 verse 34 says about Jesus Christ, and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. Over the years, we've emphasized one-on-one -on -one discipleship in our churches. We've been blessed to have more than 100 of our church members complete at least six months to one year of one-on-one -on -one discipleship. More than 20 of those people have gone on to disciple another person one-on-one. -on, -one. on our most recent term, the Lord allowed me to disciple five men one-on-one. -on -one. My wife has managed to disciple four women and young ladies this term. 
From the people who complete one-on-one discipleship, we handpick people to go into our three-year Bible Institute. At this time, we've seen 20 men graduate from the three-year Bible Institute. In the ministry the Lord has given us, we are always challenging our members about the eternal destiny of the lost. Job chapter 4 verse 20 says, They are destroyed from morning to evening. They perish forever without any regarding it. So many unsaved souls go out into eternity without anyone ever caring for them. We emphasize to our people the importance of preaching the gospel both in our town and the regions beyond us. Over the years, the Lord has allowed us to receive and distribute more than one million chick cartoon tracts. We have a weekly soul winning ministry that brings forth fruit, as well as a deaf ministry, youth ministry, and street preaching ministry. We praise the Lord for souls saved and grounded through the years. On our most recent term, we had a baptism service with 30 people following the Lord in believer's baptism. We were taught that the lasting work of God on earth is done through the local church. Our most recent years in Chingola have been spent strengthening the things that remain, strengthening the churches and making the saints strong in the works that were started many years ago. But we also have a great desire to start more churches in other places. Join us in prayer that the Lord will send us more faithful God-called men who can start other churches, that we might glorify God and bring many more sons to glory in Zambia, Africa. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. All right. So that's a message from Mike Dobbins. That is his voice. I, and I've met him and I'm like, when I was watching that video, I'm like, who is that guy? I mean, he's got some sort of narrator voice. I didn't know. It's like another mode. So, um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I just really appreciate this brother. You'll probably, hopefully someday we'll get to see him here at Heartland and you'll get to hear from him. Um, it's interesting though, just the relationship that God has given HBF with Zambia in large part, obviously, because of Randy Foster and Zuli and their investment there. And it's exciting to see, you know, all the things that are developing. Even to this day, uh, we traveled to, um, uh, oh gosh, Osaka. Randy and I was the primary visit that we had a few years ago. And uh, at that time, we were talking about the need for, you know, that city. It's a key. It is the key city. It's the capital of the nation. And they have a key man there named um, Douglas Sakahawa. And uh, he's doing a great job. Uh, but now Alex Chippy has just recently joined him. Uh, and so uh, they'll, they'll be focusing on, on that city. And uh, that's a good thing. That's also, for those of you who know who Vody Bachman is, that's where he's also uh, at. And so it's one of the things I appreciate about Mike Dobbins is he is a solid Bible-believing, discipleship-making uh, missionary. He speaks the language. He's got a radio program, as, as he mentioned. And <clears throat> it's just... Um, it's not, there's, there's so much against <clears throat> the gospel, uh, the, the, the Bible believing Christian as far as the, um, the emphasis right now in particular of the Pentecostal, uh, word faith type of movement is just sweeping across everywhere in the world, whether it's Latin America <clears throat> or Africa, uh, prosperity gospel is probably a better way to say it. So the, the prosperity gospel is just really, uh, you know, difficult to deal with when you when you don't you don't come with um, you know money and and uh, promises of of blessing. So he's really done a good job of establishing folks in the Word of God. And uh, there's probably not a more you know just biblically sound missionary in Zambia uh, that you'll get to meet. And there's a lot of great missionaries there, uh, including of course the Jalowicz. So he's he's right up there. Uh, with them, <clears throat> and the only missionary I know of from the states that actually speaks the native tongue, um, you know, fluently. I mean, he's, he speaks it like a national. So uh, that's very impressive, and so uh, looking forward to seeing him someday. Um, so I wanted to roll that. Uh, he asked me, you know, to do that, and I wanted to honor him in that. And uh, if you have any more questions about that, talk to myself, Pastor Randy, 
and we can clue you a little bit more in on where he's at. He's north of Kafulafuta location. He'd be west of where uh, Dan Jalowick is. He'll be. You'll meet a gentleman named Justin Bedwell. Uh, he speak. He's dealing with the uh, Tonga language. He's in the southwest near Livingston. If you're you know familiar with Victoria Falls and all of that. So God has uh, different missionaries from different churches, uh, all of them working in the same country, and we're connected with many of them. For whatever reason, God has ordered that up, uh, and I didn't name all of them. So uh, in addition to the many national pastors, so just be praying. One of the countries you can be praying for is Zambia, as uh, it is a key nation and a key continent at a key time in history. So um, I'm excited about all that God's doing there. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to review a little bit of where we've been. Am I going to control this, Jesse, or you from this point? Okay. Um, We're talking about identity in our study tonight and body life. So um, let's go back to identification is what I titled it. If you don't have a handout, there are some out in the connections counter, and I've got some here. And so does anyone need a handout? Okay. So... uh, there you go. That would be great if you could take one down and pass it around. Uh, Caleb will be by. If you need need one, just keep your hand in the air. Wave it like you just don't care, and then he'll be around, and uh, we'll celebrate the 80s. All right, so, and Jesus. Justin, good to see you. Sitting in the back, i got to call you out, bro. Okay, so. Last time we got together, um, there we go. I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, I'm not going to miss anything. If you don't have a handout, you're still fine. So we've talked about, um, you know, really what is the body of Christ and how to, what is the local New Testament church, which is the body of Christ, and how do you, how do I fit in? And we saw in our, our first study the provision and protection as we define the, the local New Testament church. We talked about that. And then the function is... Uh, we talked about our place in the local church and how imperative it is that we, uh, you know, understand the function uh, of the local church at a very simple level. We're not getting super deep here. And then the relationship or the relation, your fellow, your relationship with God and others. We talked about vertical and that horizontal relationship uh, and how important that is. Uh, and now we're talking about identification, right? This is sort of like a D1 lesson on who God says you are. What does the Bible say about who you are? And so uh, last time we got together, I'm going to fast forward to the slide. Uh, the first thing that we saw is that you, in Christ, you are a, uh, a new man. Uh, you're a new man. And so this, the point of this study is to make sure that uh, we consider our identity in Christ regardless of our feelings or experiences. Because sometimes those can beguile us, our feelings and our experiences. And so in Christ, you're a new man. This is really important um, and I'll get to, hopefully today I'll get to some of that in a little more detail why that's important um, here at the end, kind of in the next point or two that we're getting to. But because of the finished work of Christ, you are forgiven. That's what we talked about uh, last week, and it's important to know that because of this, uh, because the because of this, the finished work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Right. That's why you're forgiven. Uh, we're also forgiven of our sins because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus has more to say about the work uh, that he had to do. So it's not just, uh, he didn't just come for our sins. Let me get through all these verses. Um, There we go. He came, he also came to make disciples. So we talked about that, the work that he had to finish. And then we also saw the work, uh, the work that we have to do is simply to believe uh, upon Jesus. And when it comes to salvation, just believe on his finished work and what he did to atone for our sins on the cross. And after that, we're then able to fulfill the work of discipleship. So we don't do good works to earn God's merit or merit God's favor. We're saved because of grace through faith. But after that, we're saved unto good works. And so we talked about that. And and the fourth point that we saw is when Jesus said it's finished upon the cross, the work of atoning for our sins, uh, past, present, and future was finished. And what that means is that you are forgiven. So understanding that the work is finished and you are forgiven is where you got to start. And sometimes people get that backwards. They, they really are always wrestling with trying to earn God's favor. You have it because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. And then the, the second thing that we saw is that in, in Christ you're a new man. Uh, because of the finished work of Christ, you're forgiven. But also because of the new birth, you're a son of God. And that is important to your identity. Because the Father 
loved the world, he gave a, a new nature through the new birth. And I'm going to flip through these verses real quick. And we saw that last week. The second thing we saw is that God is now your father instead of the devil. And we talked about that last week, the, the natures, the, the nature, our spiritual nature. Once we're saved, that is the son of God. Before we're saved, it's that of, of a child of the devil. A lot of people don't even understand that. John 8, 43 through 45, the most religious people and literally the people that God was trying to reach um, and to receive him as Messiah, he called um, he told them in John eight forty three they were their father the devil uh, and the lust of their father were, they will do they wanted to murder Jesus and ended up doing that he allowed that to happen so that he could atone for our sin he used those very people uh, to allow that kind of wicked work to happen because they were making the, they were following the devil they weren't following God they wouldn't receive Jesus so that makes them antichrist because he is the Christ right so we talked about that the third thing that we saw is that understanding our relationship with God as our Father helps us connect the and interact, I should say, with the with love with our brothers and sisters in Christ, which that's very important as we were heading into the Lord's Supper, right? We looked at those verses there and and uh, covered that uh, last week as we got ready to take the Lord's Supper, <clears throat> and then uh, the last thing that we talked about was this issue of adoption because the indwelling Holy Spirit. You've been adopted. So point B says you're a son of God. Point C says you've been adopted. So is the Bible, you know, confused? Of course not. So we talked about the Spirit of God ensures your spiritual and physical adoption into the kingdom of God. Romans 8 clearly speaks uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, speaks down to uh, two phases of our adoption. Or I'm sorry, breaks down, not speaks. Breaks down to two phases of our adoption, the spiritual uh, and physical adoption into the kingdom of God. Um, and so we talked about that and took us some time in Romans chapter 8. Uh, the spiritual adoptions in verse, uh, there in verse uh, 15, uh, where, where the Spirit of God uh, frees us from the bondage of sin. And, 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 of course, we cry out, Abba, Father, as he's now our Father in heaven. And then we also see that in verses 22 through 23, that creation is groaning and waiting for the redemption of the sons of God. And so the, all of that, you know, is we were able to cover last week. And then we got into um, uh, some of the issues of understanding our inheritance spiritually and physically helps us sort out the battle between the flesh and the spirit. So some people, you know, kind of blow off the issue of adoption because, well, I'm born again. Well, the issue of understanding adoption isn't so much about, you know, your identity as a son of God. It's about it's about understanding your your inheritance as a, as a child of God. So while we're here on this earth. Uh, a child is no different from a servant, though he be Lord of all, Galatians says. So it's important that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, not be, to be saved, but because we're saved. And so the, insur- the assurance in Christ that we have impacts the life we lead in very practical ways. And we talked about that as we concluded last week. So let me get to the next point. So if you guys are trying to fill in those outlines on the fly, you weren't here. Hopefully you got all that. And uh, there we go. So um, this is where we we really left off last week. So in Christ, this is the this is really important that we get a hold of this. That in Christ, that we are a dead man, right? That's the most important thing that that we have to talk about tonight. In Christ, you're a new man. So we talked about the new birth. We even talked about the spiritual adoption, which affects our inheritance. Uh, but also in Christ, you are a dead man. So it's kind of like the other side of that coin. Not only, you know, well, it's like, wait a minute, I thought I was alive. Well, you are. You're actually eternally alive, but yet uh, you're, you've already been crucified. So let's get into that. We talked about Colossians 3, 1 through 3, uh, where in verse 3 he says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Well, you're dead because verse 1 says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. So when you get born again, as far as God the Father is concerned, you're as good as seated together in heavenly places in Christ. And so that's not just something, you know, I can say that all day long and you can hear that all day long, but you really have to process that. I have to process that truth. And that makes a difference. That's that reality. That's reality. That reality affects the way that we live. And so we saw in point A, and I know many of you were here, so this is all review, um, um, so we're we're getting to where we left off here pretty quick. <clears throat> I say that we're still got quite a ways to go. 
Let's see, where did I leave off? I've already went past that, haven't I? I need to back up. Right, this is where I left off. Okay, so I'm catching up. I need to mention something here. So let's just back up to this, then I'll jump into this dead in Christ stuff. So our identity in Christ should be should give us security in Christ. I need I did miss a few things here. Let me back up. I apologize. I went too far. This is where we left off last week. So the reality uh, that we are forgiven sons of God who have been adopted spiritually and will someday be adopted physically at the resurrection should give us a strong sense of security in Christ. And I just said a whole lot when I just said that. Let me say that twice. So the reality, talking about what's real and what's not, I've kind of got ahead of myself a moment ago, that we're forgiven. All right, that's the first thing. We're forgiven. We talked about that. We're sons of God. And we've been adopted spiritually. Those are the three things we've covered in this section. Um, And we'll someday be adopted physically. So what's happened spiritually will then uh, catch up physically at the rapture, at the catching away of the church, the resurrection. Um, That should give us a super strong sense of security. So uh, the verses that I I have in your notes there, um, that is not the right verse. Let me back up. There we go. Now we're cooking with gas. First uh, John three twenty says, "For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things." Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. <clears throat> this is a great verse because it forces you uh, to not lean on your emotions. Right? It's not. Uh, it's not about how you emotionally feel about it. Uh, God's greater than your emotions. He's greater than your heart. He knoweth all things. Uh, but also, if your heart's not condemning you, <clears throat> then have confidence toward God. Really, either way, uh, don't be condemned and have confidence toward God. Now, First John 5, a passage we use in our Discipleship 1 lessons, um, as we get down to verse 18, it says this in verse 11. And this is, uh, I should say, verses 17 and 18. And this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So it's kind of a take-it-or-leave-it proposition, right? You either have him or you don't. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that's been really instructional for me many years ago when I first got saved. I'm one of these folks that I got radically saved. There's no, There was no doubt like when I got saved. It was, to me, to others, it was just it was obvious. You know, I was crazy instantly. I mean, I went from dark to light. Um, and it was just, you know, like a switch got flipped and you know what? Nonetheless, and I say that not to brag or boast, nevertheless, that experience was not enough. Like, you know, some people are like, man, I grew up in church and I made a profession here and then I kind of did. And they kind of wonder when was it? I really got serious and what did I get? I'm not one of those people. I mean, it was like this day, March 25th, 1987. I was rocked. I was changed. That was different. I haven't turned back. I mean, I'm not saying I've walked perfectly. I've stumbled and fell, but I haven't gone back. Not going to go back. Okay, well, you know what? I say all that to say this. I've never, even with having this incredible experience um, that I had the day I got saved, um, I still doubted my salvation. Because you cannot base your salvation in an experience. It's based on the, the objective fact of God's word. Right. So in uh, in first John chapter five, it wasn't probably probably a little over a year after I was saved. <clears throat> I didn't feel saved anymore. Anybody ever wake up and not feel saved? Right. And you have you have doubts and you have fears and you have clouds and you don't feel you just don't feel like you did. It was cool when you first started coming to church. It was this new world, you know, and this whole new thing and the spirit of God. And God does kind of pave the way a lot of times for those things. Um but then I had gut check time. I can actually remember. It wasn't that long into my salvation. It was only probably, I had a couple points along the way where God just really is like, hey, you, get, you still with me? You riding with me? And one of them was, I remember it was the, my, the beginning of my senior year. You know, all the new was gone. It only took a few months. So I had this radical salvation. Uh, and so that was March, April, May, June, July. So within four to five months, the news already gone off, worn off. Right? It only took four months, and uh, <clears throat> and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm still sharing the gospel and I'm still witnessing. But you know what? Now I'm no longer the new guy. 
at church, you know, they've moved on to others. <laughs> and, uh, and so I've already been, th- I went through D1 very rapidly. I've already been through D1. And so now what? And so you just kind of, you ever, ever hit those? It's like, oh. And now it's just like, well, I guess I, I just got to go to church and all of that. And I was pretty high on Monday night Bible studies. But, you know, other than that, I mean, it was kind of like I knew. <clears throat> this is my own testimony. I just knew in my soul, like, like I had big decisions to make. And I did. I made the right ones. I believe I made the right ones. And they were not, they were, I mean, decisions that weren't like, uh, they were like, okay, am I going to, you know, am I going to go to college? Am I going to be a wrestler? Am I going to go this direction with athletics? Am I, you know, so I was making all of those decisions. And so those are, were legitimately big decisions that I was working myself through at that time. And, and I was making the right answers. The right answers was no, I know if I do this, then I'll have this, this, and the, and I was desperately afraid of, of getting too far from the local church and the word of God. Cause I knew, I knew me and I knew, I told you this, I think last week or Sunday, I can't remember which, but one of the sessions I was in recently, I told, I was sharing with you, I knew I couldn't get away from the Lord, but all the new was gone. And it's interesting because it wasn't very long after that. And I committed, I'm like, I'm following Jesus. I had no reason to think I wasn't saved or anything like that. I just knew I was saved. You know, look at the, look how radical my life has changed. But all of a sudden it's just kind of, um, you know, the, you start hitting that, that flat line and what's next and is this all there is and was it just emotion and all that. And of course that's exactly when the false doctrine starts, uh, uh, creeping in. And next thing you know, I'm wrangling. Uh, it really was, no, actually I can, I actually got a timeline in my head. So that would have probably been so past so I, I still go through some more good tests, and uh, and I pass them. I mean, I, I passed up uh, being uh, – I was the captain of the wrestling team. So I know this isn't a big deal to you all, but, but when you're in high school, that's a big deal. And I passed on – I said, I'm quitting because I'm going to go to discipleship too. I'm going to put kingdom of God first in his righteousness, and I'm out. And I was also doing that because I worship. Like if you're in – if you wrestle, by the way, some of you guys have been in wrestling know what I'm talking about. It's like a religion in and of itself. And so, like, it's all or nothing. And and I just knew that was no longer – God used wrestling to get me saved. And then he was like, Brian, I got something else for you. So I stepped out of wrestling, and I started – and I was in discipleship too. Um, and I – you know, and I was like, I'm making the – so I'm – I mean, guys, I'm I'm in D2 with Greg Axe. So I'm getting, I'm getting all this stuff thrown on me. You know, I'm like overwhelmed with information. I can't – I'm trying to sort it all out. But I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going forward. I'm going forward. And then – I get uh, just a you know probably just about this time of year, uh, so now I'm, I haven't even saved quite a year yet. I get I get wrangling with the Jehovah Witnesses, and there's this and this this guy uh, uh, they like it when I talk about him by the way. But uh, what was his name, Amy Stogsdale? Not Troy, but Danny. Yeah, Danny Stogsdale, sharp guy. He's in my physics class. So me and Danny start wrangling about Jehovah Witnesses, you know. And man, I tell you what, my head is so full. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifies. And so, uh, I just have all this D2 information. I'm listening to Greg Axe. I've been saved. Well, good night, man. I've been saved almost a year. I mean, what else do I need to know, you know? And so, I'm talking to Danny, uh, Danny, uh, Stogsdale. I wonder if he's related to the Stogsdales. I need to ask. Um, anyway, uh, and so, um, so Danny, good kid, you know, sharp guy, he invites me to the library for a showdown, you know, high noon at the library. And uh, Amy Jo was with me at the time, thank God, she was praying. And so um, so with all this voluminous knowledge, you know, I passed the tests. I, I wasn't going to back to the parties. I wasn't going back to where I used to be. I quit the wrestling team. God's blessing me in some other areas financially and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good for Jesus. You know, I'm, I got shut. I had a Bible study at the school. They called me in the office. I was telling uh, Sharon about that. You know, I mean, I'm making an impact. I'm making waves in the school district. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, having, having our pastor come in and he's coming in and having Bible studies at our school, you know, and I'm bringing the football team to Bible studies. And I mean, so it was a big deal. I mean, I thought, I thought, man, I'm, I'm really knocking it out for Jesus. And so I got, and, and so I'm really ready to, I'm just going to let old Danny Stogsdale 
have it. And uh, so we meet at the library at the independent mid-continent up there on 24 highway if anybody knows where that's at and uh so we're yeah not too far from where you were living it's just just in your neighborhood so so we're up at mid-continent and uh and he's got his person too kind of walking around prayer walking around us you know and then and i brought my sidekick amy joe and in the meantime i'd read i mean i got so prepared i I read an unpublished copy of Greg Axe's book on the Jehovah Witnesses. So, I mean, I know everything you got to know about this cult. And uh, so I thought, anyway, make a short story long. I'm building this thing up for the great letdown uh, because this was a big deal in my life. Um, in spite of a radical salvation and all this stuff that happened and passing some tests, some check marks along the way that really did make me evaluate where I was going that have affected the reality of why I'm standing here tonight. I mean, some of those decisions I made then are why I'm here now, even way back then, within the first months. So uh, praise God. Okay, but I ran into Danny at the library. We go have the showdown, and I couldn't believe it. He was bringing verses that I wasn't ready for. And uh, I'm like, well, uh, next thing you know, I'm kind of like, and I'm arguing with him about his points. They have a rabbit trail. So I knew the rabbit trail that you go down on the deity of Christ. And, you know, I'm ready for him in John 1. And I'm ready for him in First John. So I had all the, these verses down. And, but, boy, he was throwing a few things I wasn't ready for. And the next thing, he has me pinned down in Genesis. And I'm not actually seeing the way out. I feel like I'm, like, in a wrestling match for real. And I'm like, hey, I thought I was going to win. Next thing, I'm on my back. And what's going on here? And so, uh, praise the Lord, Amy Joe. I don't remember what the verse was, but you actually pointed something out. I don't. Do you remember what? Huh? Oh yeah, because we was in Genesis, and she's like, <clears throat> "It says us." I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." So then I was able to find it, you know, and I'm like, "Yeah, see right here, you know." And we're. I was woefully. Uh, this guy had voluminous amounts of data, you know, memorized. A lot smarter probably than I am. Um, and I'm working off of what I've accumulated in you know ten months or something of being saved, and. Uh, Man, I got out of that thing. We finally agreed when we got to the end. I'm like, okay, Danny, this is where it's at, and this is still my position to this day. One of us is right, and one of us is wrong. You know, your Bible's wrong, or my Bible's wrong. I believe my Bible's right. You believe your Bible's right. You can't show me in your Bible what you believe. That's why you have a new Bible. So I had all that down, and that was all true. And then we come to this passage here, and, and this is and this is where we are. And so we came to kind of the city. One of us is right, and one of us is wrong. And if I'm wrong, uh, well, I guess I don't know what is the consequence. If you're wrong, you're going to die and go to hell. So, Danny, if you're listening, I still hold that position, and I know a lot more than I knew then. Um, and so I pray for Danny. Uh, I like the guy. I love, I'd even say I love the guy in a, in a, in a Jesus way. I, I hope that guy doesn't go to hell. Good guy. As far as guys go, one of the best. Um, walked out of that thing, uh, I think, with spiritual PTSD. I got out of that thing, and, and uh, man, all of a sudden, I'm like, these are the questions I had in my mind. I'm like, wow, he knew a lot of information. And this guy, and he went on to be like an elder of one of these places or whatever, I think. But um, I'm like, man, Danny, he knew a lot of information. I mean, they got a whole system. I mean, how do I know that where I'm going is right? How do I know these guys are right? ever had that thought in your head i mean how do i know that bob's right how do i know that jeff is right those are our pastors so all of a sudden that serpent's in my ear yeah brian how do you know well where did that lead me i mean quick in spite of a radical transformation a completely changed life i mean obvious fruit i mean fruit people even getting saved discipled, baptized, and I haven't even even learned how to preach yet. I'm not doing nothing. I'm just following Jesus. It's like all of a sudden I'm in jeopardy. Best lesson of my life. We had this old preacher in town. His name was Mel Sabaka. I remember this guy preached a message one time. He just, the whole message, he just screamed, lost, except loud. I didn't do that for the sound. He just screams, lost. He's talking about, he's making the, 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 the point about what it's like to be lost. And anyway, this dude rolls into town. I'm like, well, Mel Sabaka's in town, man. 
and it's a little mini conference. And I'm, man, I'm down and we had a gym and I'm in the gym listening to Mel and I'm just like waiting for God to download the, the stuff I needed because emotionally I was kind of wrecked. Now I walked away from that engagement feeling like, yeah, it is a draw. But in my heart, I was kind of like, man, I feel like a loser. I wasn't able to whip that guy. You know, what, what do I have the truth? All these questions started coming and Next thing you know, you know what I'm asking myself? What's the question? Anybody? Am I saved? Am I saved? Am I saved? I don't even feel saved. I mean, if I'm saved, why do I have these questions? I mean, can I be saved and have doubts? Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm, uh, maybe I'm not saved. Oh, oh no. Ever have that fear or panic attack? <laughs> I mean, maybe not. Maybe you don't. Praise the Lord. But that's where I was at. The devil, man, I got to, you know what I got into? I got in a real spiritual war or battle, I should say. There's always a spiritual war. But little Brian was like a little naive, you know, guy wanting to jump in the spiritual battle. And God says, I'll give you a little spiritual battle, son. You'll see what this is all about. And I'll tell you what, I came away with a bloody nose. I was like, I was like, I don't know if I want any of this. I don't even know if I'm fit for this. I might not even be saved. You know, I'm just going the other direction. And and so uh, the JW should be proud. So anyway, um, <laughs> I, I know it's funny now, but it wasn't then. Well, guess what? I don't remember exactly what Mel preached on. That's when Brian Alexander made a profession, actually. It was that week, that weekend. So my best friend in life up to that point, man, Brian Alexander, makes a profession of salvation that weekend. I mean, so in the midst of that, I'm just like, oh, man. I'm glad you got saved. I feel lost. <clears throat> my emotions are just jacked up. And uh, so I grabbed my, my, one of my mentors was a guy named Dale Moline. Some of you guys know Dale Moline. Some of you call him Joe Pesci. But anyway, Joe, Dale Moline, not because he's a mobster or anything. He's just a, he's got a kind of, he kind of does remind you of Joe Pesci in some ways. Anyway, so so Dale Moline, I'm like, hey, Dale, I just got to talk to you. And uh, it's like, I just don't feel right, man. I don't even feel saved. I mean, I just, and he grabs me and he says, hey, buddy, you'll be fine. You're doing all right. You know, <laughs> I'm just like. That's not what I was expecting. I'm like, I was like going to sit down and go through the Bible or something. And well, you know what? Speaking of that, what's the Bible say about it? So what's happened here is I've gotten up in my emotion, right? And so I'm not feeling saved. And you know, the old preacher guy can't bring it to me, and my buddy getting making a profession of faith can't bring it. I mean, come on. I mean, what else is going to get you out of a funk? I mean, a new birth that you brought the guy to church? In the midst of that, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I'm, I, but I feel lost. I mean, that makes no sense. And so, and then Dale Moline, I mean, he's he's over discipleship. And Pastor Dale, I think he was a pastor then. He can't even help me. Guess where I went? I went right to this verse. That's why I took all this time to get there. And I had this memorized because I did my discipleship one lessons. And so I had this committed to memory, this passage. And God's like, hey, Brian, here's a novel idea when it comes to salvation. Why don't you base it upon what the word of God says instead of how you feel about it? And this is the verse he used to show me that. So I opened up my D1 lessons. I went right back to the basics. Uh, and by the way, if you ask me, I didn't change my birth to salvation date. I was definitely born again, March 25th, 1987. I got rocked. But the point is, is that how you feel about it changes. And your identity in Christ has to be secured in what the scripture says. And so first John five, I open this up again out of my D one lesson. I'm looking it back up in my Bible and I'm reading this. So let's reread this again. And this is what God's telling me in that moment. I'm all of 10 months old in the Lord, or maybe, I don't know, 12 months. I was right around that time frame. And this is the record. Just stop right there. This is the record. I know what a record is, not just what you spin on vinyl. A record is what is recorded. And God's like, Brian, you're going to find the record of your birth 
in the, in the record. Just like I told you in discipleship one. This is your record. Why are you, why are you looking? I mean, Mel Sabaka is not going to give you your birth certificate. Your buddy getting saved is not going to get you your birth certificate. Dale Moline can't hand you your birth certificate. You've got the birth certificate right here. Look at it, son. Oh, okay. And this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. You believe that? Yeah, I believe that. He that hath the son hath life. Yes, I believe that, and I know that, but I don't feel like it. And he that hath not the son hath not life. Oh, woe is me. Verse 13, number of rebellion. <laughs> These things have I written unto thee, unto you, you rebellious son, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life. And man, when I read that, that ye may know. And I backed it back up to verse 13 in the beginning of that. These things have I written unto you, Brian Hedges. You believed on the name of the Son of God, didn't you? March 25th, 1987. Oh, without a doubt. Right, but you don't know that, do you? Uh Uh-uh. That's why I wrote these things. These things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may not just hope, not just think, but you may know, 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 know that you have eternal life. We changed the lesson on eternal security, by the way, to eternal life. Just because the words eternal life mean what they mean. Eternal life. Forever. If it's not forever, then it's not eternal. He's like, Brian, I already wrote this. Because I knew that there would come a day when you would be struggling over this very thing. And I wrote this record so that you would know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence, which was what I was lacking, that we have in him. That if any man ask anything according to his will, <clears throat> is that what it says? I'm going by memory. Yeah, will he heareth us? <clears throat> and if we and we know that he hear us, whosoever we or whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And that passage there, just really, in particular, that one spoke. And I tell you, it was like God just totally removed. The doubt. I have not doubted my salvation since that day forward. And I made a deal with God. I'm like, okay, God, how many of you know the plan of salvation? Like you can, okay, you should. If you don't, I mean, that's what you're basing your salvation on. Now, I got that the day I got saved. I memorized that the week I got saved, the days, the day I got saved. I took the plan of salvation, wrote it in the Bible, and I started working myself through it over and over because I wanted, I had enough sense to know this is what I was trusting, Right? But when I got to this verse, it was like, hey, Brian, what are you really trusting for your salvation? Is it your experience or is it what the Bible says? Now, I know in my heart I got saved March 25th, 1987. But it was almost a year later before I anchored my soul on what the word of God said about that experience, of which was totally based in faith, you know, no doubt about it. God saved me March 25th, 1987. But it took me a year to really process that the record for that birth was found in the Scripture, not in my experience. And, man, after that, guys, it was a whole nother level of growth going from there. And if I died, I was like, Lord, I tell you what, from this point forward, if I die, I'm going to get up this, I'm going to open up this Bible, and I'm going to show it to you, and you're going to have to show me where I went wrong because I am trusting everything you say about salvation which I can clearly demonstrate from the Bible itself. It's not complex. It's not that complex. It's very simple. But you have to believe it, and you have to believe this is the record that God has given us. Right? And so that's a big deal. Because, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, well, they just got saved. They're going to struggle with eternal security. Not for me. It took me almost a year before I started struggling with eternal security. And, you know, the Lord's like, hey, yeah, Brian, how many times can you go to the Bible study and pray that Jesus come into your heart and save you? I mean, did you do it the the hundredth time, fiftieth time, the tenth time? When are you going to trust my finished work? Right. And there's a point where you got to just believe what the Bible says. You either trust Jesus for eternal life and you believe what the Bible says, it's eternal or you don't. And so anyway, that's my little testimony on that security. Because that eternal security is important. Now, John 10, 27 uh, says this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, 
and they follow me. There's certainly, uh, you know, I can't tell you who's saved. because I, I just know the indications is that they hear God's voice and they follow him. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. And the charismatic says, yeah, but they can. you can jump out. Okay, whatever. If you can jump out, then you jumped in. It isn't about that. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. It's a gift you receive. It's not something you, you can lose. And so it's not something you, you gained. It's the by nature of the words itself, eternal life. If it's eternal, it is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It's eternal life. It's not eternal death. It's not temporary life. It's not, um, you know, life based on other requirements. It is eternal life. So, like our salvation, our eternal security, our eternal security doesn't depend on our work, but on Jesus's grace. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Now we're cooking with gas. So Romans eight says this: As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, and accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. So even getting you know killed literally doesn't bother us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor engagements at the library, any of that, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what that is? That's called affirmation. That's called encouragement. That's, that is God saying, look, you cannot be separated from me if you're a son. And so assurance in Christ impacts the life that we lead in very practical ways. Because if you don't get this down, I promise you, it will. If you can't go forward. If you don't get, that's one of the problems with all our. I love my charismatic friends, but the the folks that cannot understand the finished work of Christ and God's grace and, and everything that's implied in our salvation, and they're in jeopardy every hour of doing something that's going to cost them eternal life. Well, guess what? You know, they're running to Hebrews chapter six and said, yeah, but, I, you know, I'm which is out of context, by the way. And, and so, like, I got to crucify Jesus afresh and I got to get saved and all that. You know, they keep running up and down the aisle looking for an experience. I'll tell you what's going to happen. It's not that they're not saved. A lot of them are genuinely born again. The problem is they'll never grow. They will be in a perpetual. The devil has them on a treadmill of doubt. And I know what that treadmill of doubt's like because I've experienced it for, you know, one, you know, intense, you know, week back then. And man, I don't want to be on that treadmill again. Now, I've had I've had difficult days. I've had a lot of difficult days since then. And you know what? I haven't ever doubted who my daddy is because I've got the record. And if this record's wrong, then I don't have any I have no other options at this point. There ain't no better record than this. It ain't going to be Allah. It ain't going to be Buddha. It ain't going to be good works. It ain't going to be a job. It ain't going to be education. It's not going to be money. Right? The only thing I'm banking on for eternal life is the God of the Bible is the God that, that is my Savior, the one that's recorded in this record. I have no other options. It's all or nothing. And if it ain't all or nothing for you, then I'm sorry for you because you're going to be in jeopardy. But once you settle that matter, whew, it's like... Free sailing, man. You're flying. You're walking in the spirit. And suddenly you're not as engaged in fulfilling the lust of the flesh. It's not that they're there. They're not there. But, man, it frees you up. Now, Hebrews chapter 13 says this uh, in verse 5. Let your conversation, which means lifestyle, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Once you're secure in Christ, well, you just don't need all this stuff. So it does eventually work itself out. I gave a testimony this last weekend. Oh, that's when it was, on Sunday morning when I was talking about I kind of had to be all or nothing. I mean, I knew if I didn't do all in, I was probably going to go all out in the wrong direction. And so uh, that's true. Our lifestyle should reflect that we're all in. And that's really what Hebrews 13.5 is about. Let, you know, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. When you're content in who you are in Christ, your identity, your identification with him, 
you know, I, I don't need to be this or that or have this or that. Now, maybe God wants you to have this or that or be this and that. Now, not everybody is the same. Everybody has a different testimony. But I know in my heart, before I was even, I didn't even verbalize this. I was so scared to verbalize it. I knew in my own heart that God was calling me to go all in in regard to ministry soon after I got saved. Now, I wasn't going to tell anybody that because I I just didn't. It seemed crazy to me. It seemed crazy to me, let alone to anyone that would hear me say it. I mean, I'm like the last person. I didn't even want to go to church, you know. I mean, I was super cynical at church. It took me a long time to get baptized. It took me a long time to, I mean, I just like, like the most cynical person about church and God you're going to meet. I just didn't believe it and trust it. But Jesus kept working on me and working on me and chipping on me. And, you know, it's just I knew in my heart of hearts. I'm like, he's, yeah, God, you want me to go all in. I was talking to Amy. You know, we were we got married at 19. So I was 18. And I remember having those conversations. You know, you're out dating and talking. You're like, hey, honey, like, I I mean, if God calls me to be a pastor, I mean, are you sure you want to marry me? Are you okay with that? Did you think I'd really be a pastor back then? Don't know can't remember that's <laughs> been so long ago uh, i remember those conversations before we were married because i'm like like really i mean he could do that as a matter of fact i kind of think that's where he's taking me you know uh i know i didn't get in our institute i wasn't ready for institute i was too young and i kind of got my career started before i jumped in our institute <clears throat> which was probably the right thing to do but at any rate once we got married at 19 I remember sitting in our apartment, our little tiny kitchenette there, and uh, Independence Ridge Apartments there. What was the address of that place? She's a freak like that. <laughs> I don't know the address. Um, so we're up in that apartment in the in the kitchen, and I'm like, and now she really knows me. And uh, it's like, are you still okay with me being a pastor or missionary? And she was like, yes, honey. And I was just like, wow. Tell you what, you want to talk about pressure. When your wife is willing to submit to you, I mean, there's no excuses. Now, that wasn't verbalized or no one knew about it, her and I. That was between her and me for another. I didn't actually verbalize that. I was forced out of me at a shepherd school meeting, um, actually, eventually. And when I heard it come out of Alan Shelby's lips, it was our, he, Alan Shelby was our, uh, our dean of academic students. They had this little luncheon. And uh, I guess that would have been my senior year, but I had to write on a piece of paper my freshman year. And at my senior year in this room full of people, it says, Brian uh, believes God's calling him to be a pastor. And I mean, it was like, holy moly, that is heavy. That had been something that had been twirling over in my heart by that time for nearly a decade. So I get it. I get it. If you're called, like, in a, and specifically, you feel like God's calling you to be a missionary or a pastor, and you're, you're, that's heavy on your heart, and you can't verbalize it yet, I get it. You're, you're not going to get nothing from grace from this brother, because it takes some time to work that conversation out. You think you thought I was getting off track, didn't you? I'm not. Hebrews 13:5. Let your conversation. Don't worry about the, the specifics. Just let your your lifestyle be without covetousness. Covetousness. Just work on letting go of stuff. Like your, even your dreams. For us, one of the dreams I had was to have three kids, right, by the age of 25. That was our goal. Three kids by 25. Uh, that dream blew up. You know, I had a lot of dreams blowing up all over the place. 26 years old, I was like, our whole church blew up. I mean, so I was doing, I mean, it was like real battle. And the whole time, God's just like, hey, Brian, how's that conversation? How you doing down there, son? It really wasn't like he was yelling. It was like he was right here. We was having a lot of good discussions. So, because he is in here, by the way. Um, conversation is important. Let it be without covetousness. You know, what are you clutching? I got to have 3.5 kids by the time I'm 25. You know, no, you don't. You don't need that. Well, I got to have this job. No, you don't. Shh. You don't need that. I got to have this education. You don't need that. You need what I want you to have. Oh, I got to have this church. I got to have this run. I got to have that. No, you don't. You'll have what I'm going to give you, son. You're going to have to trust me. 
Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. And by the way, be thankful for what you have instead of what you don't have. Be thankful for what you have instead of what you don't have. Covetousness covetousness will kill you. And know this, God's not going to leave you nor forsake you. You know, be thankful for what God's given you. Uh, Ephesians 5 says this. Man, I, I told you, I'm really went to, I went to creeper gear tonight. I apologize. Uh, Ephesians 5.1 says, uh, Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint. Come on, man. If you're saved, live like it. Well, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I don't really want to, I don't care about your background. We lean way too much on that. Does it inform your future? Certainly it does. Is Jesus adequate to overcome it? Absolutely. Get involved in the local church, the word of God, and let the Holy Ghost teach you, and you will be amazed at how much victory you can have. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather, well, instead of saying this and that, what do I say? You say, thank you. Man, I'm grateful. Why am I grateful? Because I've got a whole other outlook. You can go to work, and it could be a million-dollar project, and you walk out of that place going, well, a million bucks, who cares? That's going to burn. I'm going to go to church tonight. Not that you don't care, but you can only do what you can do. It's only money. And this wheel's going to keep on turning, and they're going to keep putting you on the wheel. And it's not that you don't care, but it is weird in this world. The less covetous you are, I promise you this, the more influence you have. The less covetous you are, the more influence you have. You know why? Because you cannot be bought. You always have options. If you find yourself in a business where it seems like there's no options, that's only because you've probably gotten covetous. Think about that. There's always options, but you got to be willing to let go. That means you got to be willing to go where God wants you to go. You got to be willing to walk if need be. Well, hey, we need you to do this. We need you to do that. Well, guess what? I'm not going to do this or that. You can do this or that, but this is what I'm doing. You want me to walk? I'll walk. That's the kind of that's the kind of liberty that God will give you. Not to be a jerk face. I'm not saying that. Not to rat everybody out. God will judge it. I'm just saying you got to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. And so all that comes from a lifestyle of godliness and, and not w- and walking in the spirit. I could go on and on about all this. This is all about your identification in Christ. You're like, hey, I, wait a minute, boss. I am serving you, but there's some limits. Have you ever had a boss call you and say, hey, I need you to do this and this and this unscrupulous thing? You guys aren't going to raise your hands. That's probably wise. Right? What do you tell them? I don't know what you tell them. What should you tell them is no. Or sometimes you don't say anything. I will say that. I have had situations where something was asking me, and instead of saying no or yes, I would say, okay, and then I never did it. You ever, so that's also an option. That's just being wise. Because what are they going to do? Come in, put their arm behind your back and make you do something that's illegal? No. You got the cards at that point because you know who's asking you to do something wrong. So anyway, you just got to be wise. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. All right, moving on. I said too much. Moving on. So in Christ, you're a dead man. So this gets into some theological concepts about who you are and who Jesus Christ is. And this is important. There's a a movement. Let's just start with Colossians 3 here on the screen. Colossians 3, 1. If ye be then risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. By the way, that's not a suggestion. That's a command. You know, a lot of people think, oh, the commandments are in the Old Testament. Well, there's plenty of New Testament ones right here. We're seeing one. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of this earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. 
So really what Paul's saying there is good, as far as the father is concerned, when he looks at you, where are you? What do you think? Wendy has something. No? Huh? Jesus is in front of us. Anyone else? Under the blood? And we're under the blood? You got one? You don't have to. I thought I started just, yeah. Uh-huh. And he is in us. That's good. And all of these are right. None of the ones wrong. Anyone else? I'm not, I'm not saying anything is wrong. I'm just, I am going to a point with this. And all of these are right. Because these are good. Anyone else? I'm looking for, I am looking for one thing that has to do specifically with this. Okay. So when he looks, all that is right. Everything you said, the blood, Jesus in us, in front of us, all of that is true. Specifically, uh, for me and for you, everyone here that's born again, you're nailed to a tree. I mean, you're as good as dead. So, yes, he's in us now. We're quickened. We're alive positionally. Uh, and we will be seated together in heavenly places. We're as good as there already. Why? Because we're as good as dead already. So when God looks at me, because Christ is in me, because of the blood of Christ, because all those things you guys said, when the Father looks at me, he's like, man, Brian died 2,000 years ago. Perfect sacrifice. No, no, that was Jesus. Right, I know, but I'm... That's what propitiation is. He is giving us credit for what Jesus did, even though we don't deserve it. Why does he do that? Because he loves us. That's why it's called a gift. Why does he do that? Well, because the son loved the father and the father loved the world. And it just works on love. That's where our Calvinist friends get all twisted around the axle. They don't understand love. God loved the world. Jesus loved the father. And guess what? We get all that loving. They took The Godhead took care of us. And so, man, it's amazing. So our life literally is hid in Christ. I mean, like literally. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Literally, Christ is in me of a truth. And he's in you. So I don't think, and I'm, I'm talking as if I know what I'm talking about. I will say this as I say this. I know some of what I'm talking about, but I will say I think I still don't fully grasp the magnitude of even the concepts I'm talking about. When I get to heaven... I think it will be just totally set in, like even more. Like, whoa, whoa, I was dead, and then I was alive. and then, You know, it's just the fact that we're breathing and walking through this life from the moment of salvation until the day we get caught up. Man, this is a unique time in eternity for me and for you to have skin on you that is rotten to the core, sin. And yet walking around this sinful planet preaching Jesus. We can only do that because we're already nailed to a tree. I don't want to get too philosophical or theological here, but there's a lot to that. Point A, and I'm, not, I'm almost done, so I'm, I do want to get at least into this point here. I got more to say about all this. So point A, this is an important reality for those of us living in the Laodicean church age. Why? Because a blindness that is pervasive in the body of Christ can be remedied by the salve of our salvation. So salvation is important. In verse 17 of chapter 3 of Revelation, the Bible says, Because thou sayest, now this is speaking, uh, you know, the angel in the church of Laodicea. It's talking about the church of Laodicea. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods. Now, what's Paul been telling us previously? Don't have a conversation, a lifestyle of covetousness. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. Including Jesus, that's in parentheses, it's not in there, but. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Like you don't really have anything that's important. You got stuff, but stuff isn't enough. I counsel thee, let me give you some wise counsel. Be, uh, uh, buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And so, see what? See who you are in Christ. It's one of the reasons I'm doing this study here, right? So we can kind of get our minds around who we are in Christ. Identify with Christ. He is the gold standard. I mean, his feet are literally shining like gold when you look in that Revelation chapter 1. I mean, he is white like light. And he is, he's, our burden is light. Well, he's light, right? It's amazing. So uh, I got 30 seconds. 
I'm going to say this and we'll pause here. So our salvation has transformed us from being dead in trespasses and sins to being dead to sin. Now think about that. So we were dead in trespasses and sins. Romans 6, 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So before our salvation, we were dead in trespasses and sins. After we're saved, we are dead to sin. That's why Paul was able to say, well, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. You're literally dead to sin. We, we're not avoiding sin so that we can be saved. If you're born again, you're already saved. You're avoiding sin, sin so that you can be a better servant, so you can be more free to serve the Lord because you know sin bogs you down. I know sin bogs me down. I want to be free for the Spirit of God to work in me. So we're going to pause there. Next time we get together, we'll pick this back up. We'll do a little review, uh, which will be next week. And, uh, and I hope this is it. Any questions about what we've covered tonight or thoughts before we close up? All right. So, um, sorry, I got a little too far into my testimony there, but that issue of eternal security will, it will, it'll mess you up. If you don't know where you are in Christ, man, if you're not certain of your salvation, make certain. First of all, make sure it's recorded in the Word. If you're like, well, I'm saved because my mom always told me I was saved. I don't remember when I got saved, but I know mama told me I was saved. I would back up and make sure you're saved. Right? Get in the Bible, look at the record, find out what it says. And get your birth certificate settled based on what the Word of God has to say. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We're born again by the, First Peter says, the Word of God. The Word of God. If our salvation is based in some, oh, I walked an aisle. By the way, nothing wrong with walking aisles. A lot of people get saved walking aisles. But just walking the aisle doesn't save you, Right? And I, I do believe people probably get saved in their chair before they ever walk the aisle. That's great, too. Praise God. But it's not an event. It's based on what the Word of God has to say. And when it's quickened in your heart and you trust Jesus Christ and his finished work for salvation, man, you are saved. And, man, there's no looking back, no turning back, no turning back. All right. So um, that's everything. I get to preaching. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. We'll be done tonight. Um, you, If you can stand, let's stand together. <coughs> and uh, we'll be uh, ready to dismiss. Heavenly Father, thank you.